It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Welcome to Quantum number 138. As I sit here in my weed room in Sydney with the rain chucking it down outside, we are going to look at what's going on in the world and just think about things largely from a Christian perspective. But whether you're a Christian or not, you are very welcome. Well, guess what I've been up to? Listen to this music. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. Oh, babe, I hate to go. There's so many Yep, I'm just back off a jet plane. It was quite remarkable. I, I managed to... Uh, <laughs> fly to Melbourne and back and it was absolutely packed and there were one or two strange things but it was nice it feels almost kind of normal and for somebody who doesn't like flying I actually quite enjoyed it Kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go But let me start with some good news, and that is that um, about abortion in Northern Ireland. And it's really good news. The Fetal Impairment Abortion Amendment Bill passed the second stage in the Northern Ireland Assembly by 48 votes to 12. Now, what it does is it proposes removing some of the most extreme abortion framework imposed upon Northern Ireland by the UK last year which would have allowed for the abortion of babies with disabilities such as cleft palate, clubfoot and down syndrome. Now it goes on to the committee stage, but that is just wonderful news and well done to the Northern Irish Assembly. Now we're going to return to the issue of conversion therapy. I wrote a piece for Christian Today, which is still on there. And as I say, with all the articles and news we refer to, we put links on the website. But uh, I thought this couldn't get any worse, and within a week it has. Here's Steve Chalk talking about it. Don't be fooled. The use of the word therapy in the term conversion therapy is extremely misleading. It's used, of course, to convey a sense of legitimacy, but actually it's simply camouflage for a whole range of brutal and oppressive practices, ranging from dodgy psychological treatments all the way to oppressive religious teaching, prayer and so-called pastoral care. Based on the judgmental and damaging belief that the sexual or gender orientation of LGBT plus people is an illness which needs to be cured, corrected or erased. That's why, as a church leader, I'm adding my voice to the call for an urgent ban on all forms of conversion therapy. And although some, including religious groups, will claim this will infringe their freedom of belief, 
all freedoms, every freedom, ends at the point when it causes harm to another person. Now, what's fascinating is he is talking about banning prayer. This is, this is his target. This is what he is aiming for. It's not the extreme stuff, which is already illegal. He says we have to make any law change to ban conversion therapy very clear and explicit on all those deadly religious practices such as manipulative prayer teaching and so-called pastoral care. But it's this statement. You need to listen to this very carefully. All freedom ends at the point when it causes harm to another person. Okay, think about what that involves. Who is to define what harm is? Steve? See, I find his teaching extremely harmful. But does that mean that he should be banned? No, I don't think so. So all of our freedoms are to be curtailed by this nebulous concept of harm. It is a profoundly dangerous move. All right, let's do some world news. Uh, let's do China, Brazil, and Africa and Europe. Uh, China, first of all, in Beijing, the 3,000-strong National People's Congress has approved plans to only allow patriots to stand as candidates in the Hong Kong Legislative Council. In other words, those who agree with the Chinese Communist Party. I read a fascinating article by Ian Thompson, who has a book on Dante, which is being translated into Chinese, or it was, but he had to agree to lots of cuts in the book by the Institute for World Religions, which is just another part of the CCP's propaganda department. All references to Islam, and in Dante, they're not exactly, um, how will I put it, commendatory. They're condemning. But even that, all references to Islam have to be removed. So Thompson said, I forget it. What's the point? But that's the nature of the Chinese Communist Party. And then Brazil. Fascinating in Brazil. Sad, the death rate, I think yesterday it was 2,800. It's now the highest in the world. And they're obviously desperate for COVID vaccines. They're getting COVID vaccines from China. It's Sinio vaccine. But there's a price. Last year, Brazil said it wouldn't allow Huawei to set up their 5G network. Now they are. That's how China or the Chinese Communist Party works. Soft power, money, as well as military power. In Africa, in Niger, not Nigeria this time, but Niger, at least 58 people have been killed after attacks near the border with Mali. Um, the BBC understands that there are two jihadist campaigns that are underway in Niger. Incidentally, here in Australia, there were two terrorists uh, arrested today in Melbourne, when I was down in Melbourne, as I said, and I was fascinated that the police chief felt immediately that he had to say, uh, we are dealing with the crime, not the ideology extraordinary really and then the Netherlands now the Netherlands has a wonderful national anthem here here's some of it
it's really all about King Willem. Um, it's his personal testimony. The King of Spain, I have always honoured to live in fear of God. I've always attempted, but God will, by, will direct me so that I may serve as an instrument of good. Wonderful, wonderful sentiments for a ruler to have. And then this line, uh, and forgive my Dutch pronunciation, all the Dutch listeners who, listen, who do listen to this, and there are quite a few of you. Mein schilde ende betrauven, seid ge o God mein Heer. My shield and my reliance are you, O God. Would that all our politicians had that desire. I wonder if Mark Ruto, who is uh, just been re-elected, I think, he's certainly the largest party, uh, they reckon there could be at least 15 parties under the Dutch proportional system who are going to be elected to the 150-member Dutch parliament. The conservative grouping has done well. The socialist grouping has actually also done well. And what's fascinating is the PVV have uh, the, they're deemed to be extreme right wing. They've got 17 seats. Hmm. Interesting times. Very interesting times. All right. Here's a sermon in Spanish. Cada uno de ustedes una pregunta personal. ¿Eres hijo de Dios? ¿Eres hija de Dios? ¿O todavía lo estás pensando? Y si lo estás pensando, ¿por qué no hoy? ¿Por qué no esta tarde? ¿Por qué no ahorita cuando terminemos en oración? Ustedes, queridos hombres, queridas mujeres, that is Louis Palau. Uh, he died on last week, aged 86, after a year-long battle with stage four lung cancer. He's from Argentina. He had these massive rallies. Um, and I remember meeting him a couple of times. Uh, I actually spoke to him last year. Uh, he's, he's a remarkable man in, in lots and lots of ways. Um, we did a thing in Laird and it was just wonderful that he came all the way to the, the Highlands of Scotland to this small village and had a wonderful rally. And I had several friends there who became Christians through him. So I remember him fondly. Another person I remember fondly is John Polkinghorne, an Anglican priest and a theoretical physicist. An unusual combination has died aged 90. He was president of King's College, Queen's College, sorry, Queen's College, Cambridge, from 1988 to 1996. He was ordained as an Anglican priest in 1982, and then he was, but he was also a top physicist. He, he enjoyed a, a successful career at Cambridge University, being a professor of mathematical physics from 1968 until 1979, when he then went into the priesthood. Lots of books, won the Templeton Prize. I met him, and it was an amazing story for me. I was speaking at a debate at the Cambridge University Debating Society, and as I remember, the our opponents included the president of the Atheist Society, and John Polkinghorne was on my side, so he and I spoke together. It's the only time I met him. He was gracious, he was kind, he was intelligent, he was wonderful. I remember in particular one argument that was used from the atheists where, they, I mean, the motion was theirs to win. We were asked to prove that there is a God. And we thought, we, John Polkinghorne said, you know, we can't win this one. But we ended up winning it because of this very simple argument. The 
president of the Atheist Society made a basic mistake. He cited, I think it was Bertrand Russell, or it could have been, no, it must have been Bertrand Russell, saying that Auschwitz is wrong or Dachau is wrong is not a fact. And I was astonished and I intervened and said, you know, you, don't, you can't seriously believe that. And he said, well, yes, I can. He said, it's not a fact like gravity. You know, of course it's wrong, but it's not a fact that you can prove. You can't prove that it's wrong. And then he looked at me and said, can you prove it's wrong? And I remember praying, Lord, okay, help me with this one. And this is the answer I gave. I said, you know, we're starting with the wrong. It's where we start that's the key issue here. So you're starting with the view that there is no God. And because there is no God, you end up saying you can't say that Dachau is wrong. I said, that's an awful indictment of your philosophy and your theology and your belief. And he said, no, no, but you're just starting with the view that there is a God. And I said, well, no, actually, I'm not. You know, the view I'm starting with is a very simple one. I'm starting with the view that Dachau is wrong, that murdering millions of people is wrong. I'm starting with the view that if you rape my daughter, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And then I'm asking, why is it wrong? Why is it wrong? Why is it wrong? And I work all the way back and actually right and wrong point me towards God. But your lack of belief in God mean you, means you have to do away with right and wrong. All right. One other person who's died, this man. Great start by Eddie Irvine. Fielder. Look at Fielder. And into the wall. Who was that? Coulthard. It's Coulthard in the wall. Maybe Coulthard in the wall. Well, stop the race. They'll have to race. They'll have to race. They'll have to race. This is the worst start for a Grand Prix that I have ever seen in the whole of my life. Murray Walker. Uh, so many people um, mimicked him. I'm not going to mimic him. He first commented on a Grand Prix for the BBC at Silverstone in 1949. He's died this week, or last week actually, aged 97. Um, I have no interest in Formula One whatsoever, but I certainly would absolutely recognize him. All right, let's move on to something else. The tragic death of Sarah Everard, who was attacked, assaulted and murdered, allegedly by a uh, policeman, and that is going to obviously go to court. Um, we work on the assumption that someone is innocent until they're proven guilty. But the reaction to that, yes, of, it, it's, it, it's, you know, it's utterly horrific. And the, the violence against women is utterly horrific. And there's not a but in there. You can't, you know, we need to recognize what that is. It cannot be justified in any way. But as always, these things get politicized and then people go over the top. So here is Baroness Jones, a peer, uh, a green politician in the House of Lords argue that at the next opportunity for any bill that's appropriate I might actually put in an amendment to create a curfew for men on the streets after 6pm which I feel would make women a lot safer and discrimination of all kinds would be lessened. She is seriously proposing that all men, all men have a curfew at 6 o'clock and she's not the only one. The SNP's Hannah Bardell called for a curfew on all men to be considered in, in areas where women have been killed. Um, 
so much of the violence, I mean, there's so much that's wrong with this. Not least that a huge amount of violence against women is domestic violence that take place at home. So keeping men at home doesn't help. But I mean, the whole thing is completely ridiculous. And there's another aspect to this as well. And that is the confusion, the hypocrisy of our society. Of course, you know, just assaulting women, sexual assault, everything is so evil and cannot be justified. But the solution that our society offers, so consent. In Australia here, they're talking about people having a phone app that people can give consent to sex. You're kidding me. There are so many other issues. Pornography, um, just the oversexual, well, the sexualization of children. And then this, on the same day that there were protests against sexual violence against women, some of our media were celebrating these people. Cardi B and Megan T. Stallion. Now, I would say to you, don't watch it. I, 10 seconds is as far as I got, and that's all I needed, to be honest. Because this is the, the Grammys, and it said a celebration of women. It is just sheer and utter pornography. It's the kind of pornography that men look at and think, some men look at and think, yeah, that's what a woman is for. And I want women to be like that. And then they get violent and angry when women are not like that. It's utterly horrendous. It doesn't justify the behavior of the minority of men who are excessively violent or violent at all. It doesn't justify that. But it's certainly hypocritical and wrong to have videos and everything else with this hypersexualization, with this, this pornography, really and then be puzzled where it all leads to. Okay, let's move on to um, what's going on in Scotland. We Next week, I think we should get the judgment on this. 27 church leaders in Scotland have taken the government to court asking to be allowed to meet and saying they were wrong. Uh, this is what one of them, Willie Phillip, has to say about it. Um, there's no question of uh, being unconcerned uh, for safety and for health. Uh, although we, and of course, there's been no evidence whatsoever that uh, any spread has taken place in churches. But we're, we're concerned for even more important health matters, for eternal health matters. And COVID is not the only threat to human life. There are many other threats that uh, uh, lockdowns have uh, brought a great damage to people. But their spiritual threat is the greatest of all. And the thing that we must remember, and this is the role of the Church of Jesus Christ, to remind the nation that. Um, it's not just that some people are going to die from COVID, but every single person listening this morning is going to die one day. It's been appointed for man. But to, to just in regards once. to the court case. And then let's come on to the mad world stuff. Now, I, I think just to, to say, I don't need to say anything, just to tell you this. An Episcopal school in New York City has published an inclusive language guide which encourages students to refrain from using terms such as mum and dad, children. Okay to address ways we can remove harmful assumptions from the way we interact with we 
with each other. So kids in junior kindergarten to grade 12 to say mom and dad, uh-uh, don't do that. By the way, this is a $57,000 a year school. Um, yep, the woke, the weird, and the wealthy go together. In Canada, a man called Robert Hoogland, who he is in jail as we speak, unless he's been released, because he was arrested for calling his daughter a daughter and referring to her the pronoun she and her. Now, his 14-year-old, with the help of the mother and with the Canadian courts and legal system, wants to become a boy. And the father, understandably, and as a father I understand this, does not want his daughter to go through such horrendous surgery and body changes. And so he's gone to jail for calling his own daughter his daughter. Wow. Have you noticed also in this woke world that someone pointed this out and I thought it was true. When you've got in the news about husband and wife, it usually refers to partner, their partner. But when it's a news story involving a, het a homosexual couple, it's, you know, it's husband and husband. They use the terms. And then this. Now this one, I honestly I'm not making this one up. This is from the Californian Department of Education. And it's they've put a curriculum that instructs students to help teachers to help students challenge racist, bigoted, discriminatory, imperialist, colonial beliefs and critique white supremacy, racism and other forms of oppression and power. And as part of its religious studies module, it's urging students to chant to the Aztec deity of human sacrifice. <laughs> It, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure I know where to begin with this. Um, white, they are to be taught that white Christians committed theocide against indigenous tribes and that the way to get round this, to go through this community chant. Students are to clap and chant to the god Tezak Lipoka, whom the Aztecs traditionally worship with human sacrifice and cannibalism asking him for the powers to be warriors for social ju justice. They then chant to various other gods, including the Aztec deity of war, who inspired hundreds of thousands of human sacrifices during Aztec rule. And the chant comes to a climax with a request for liberation, transformation and decolonization, after which students shout Panchebe, Panchebe in pursuit of ultimate critical consciousness. It is breathtaking. Recognize this song? Okay, it's in Japanese and it's talking about a hero. But I, I did want to share this story. I thought this was a lovely story. Maseo Yoshida was an engineer in charge of the Fukushima nuclear plant where there was an enormous... Um, quake, earthquake, uh, many years ago. And after three hydrogen blasts, the management in Tokyo ordered staff to abandon the facility. Yoshida, knowing what a disaster that would cause, contacted the Prime Minister, Naotokan, and this Naotokan had some knowledge of nuclear physics, 
and he approved Yoshida in a small crew staying and pumping seawater into the reactor, cooling it, rending it inoperable. They themselves were exposed to massive amounts of radiation. It saved almost certainly many, many lives. Um, he gave one interview afterwards. He retired. He died of, of cancer in 2013, aged 58. He's never received any official recognition and get this, and all he got from his company, Techco, was a verbal reprimand for disobedience. Wow. Okay, before we go, an amazing story about Hitler. Adolf Hitler's father, uh, there are letters that have come uh, to his father from uh, someone called Roman Sandgruber, um, who has dug out these letters, 31 letters, from Adolf's father, Alois, born Schnickel Gruber, and written in 1895 around Adolf Hitler's sixth birthday, in a book called Vater, uh, which is the first biography of Alois, or rigorous biography of Alois Hitler, uh, Sandgruber tells us about Hitler's mother and everything else. It's just fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf, I worshipped my father but loved my mother. It was a very dysfunctional family, and from that dysfunctional family came one of the great, great, great evils. Look, there's good in the world. There's evil in the world. It's the way that it always has been. I'm going to leave you with City Alliance's new song, which is just, I think it's beautiful. All that we're seeing in the world is that battle between good and evil being worked out. But we know what the final result is. We know who has won because it's been finished on that cross. All right. Uh, we shall see you next week. If you want to support, go to the Podbean fundraiser. If you've got news or ideas or comments, please feel free to let me know. Uh, God bless you and see you next week. Rose that we